Welcome to the final moments of the event they said could never happen. This is Jimmy Olsen, and if you're just tuning in, gee whiz, where the heck have you been? Let's look at the highlights of the greatest event in the history of any sport ever played any place ever. The Justice League International versus the Legion of Doom. The JLI took an early lead due to heavy hitters Superman and Wonder Woman. We just got word that Soup's first hit passed the Moon Titan. Luthor looked like an easy strikeout, but had a surprise up his sleeve. Joker hit a foul ball. Ugh, literally. He turned it into the tying run. Which brings us to the bottom of the ninth. Heroes coming up to the plate with the villains leading by three. Should be an exciting finish. I know it's not looking good right now, but those stands are full of people. Kids like little Julie Schwartz and Frankie Miller from Gotham City, who are depending on us to show that even in baseball, good always triumphs over evil. So let's go out there and give it our all. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mark Tiberius Lamke, Chicago Blackouts fan. This is episode 143, and as always, this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and you can help support the Batman Universe by heading over to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe. Dane, we're back together again. Finally. <laughs> I Finally. know. It's been like a month and a half, Tim. Something like that, I know. Uh, the last time you couldn't make it, so I uh, want to thank Jake for filling in on our last episode. Oh, it was yeah, a lot of fun right. yeah. to have him on and talk Justice League, Batman versus Superman, Dark Knight Rises, 20 years of the new Batman adventures, Wonder Woman, all that good stuff. So thank so you, Jake. You, so, so how do you know him? Just from uh, Twitter? Just, yeah, just through Twitter. Yeah. Uh, kind of a mutual friend and then start following each other because of that. And, you know, finding out we had similar interests and really kicking it or hitting it off this last month or so with uh, our love of the Foo Fighters, yeah. <laughs> their new record. So just more stuff to geek out over. So it was cool to have him on that one. So thank you, Jake. But uh, unfortunately, after the two weeks after that, I was busy and couldn't make it. I was busy helping with some family stuff, with moving and then having some family visit from out of town. So was busy for the last for our last one and couldn't make it. But we're back now, and we're going to be playing some catch up. But I got to say, Dane, fair warning for everyone: <laughs> I'm a nervous wreck right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why is we're that? About two is- hours away. From a game seven of the ALCS between the Yankees and the Astros. <laughs> and the Yankees had a three, well, it's been a great series. Astros were up two nothing. Yankees go back to New York. They win those three games, so now they're up three two. They couldn't touch J- Justin Verlander yesterday, so they lost that game. And now it all comes down to a game seven. And I tweeted this out like, game sevens are the best thing ever in baseball except if your team was going into it with already a three-game uh, lead in the series. Then it's just nerve-wracking because <laughs> you just don't want them to blow it. So uh, by the time everyone's listening to this episode, you'll either know I'm really happy or really down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I don't get. You win. They, they won three in a, ro- in a row, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all in New York, all at and home. They, yeah, and then you drop one, and then you... You go to a game seven. That's uh, that's gonna be a tough task. 
because you know momentum always like that old saying momentum's as good as your next day starter that proved the case with Justin Verlander yesterday I mean Yankees just you know buried the Astros at home in those three games they had a great yeah. comeback they actually hit Dallas Keuchel the Yankees never touched so I mean they got a game they needed because to win the series they had to beat two of their best pitchers they beat one of them and they couldn't beat the other and the one thing going for the game today the Astros aren't pitching one of their best so Hopefully the Yankees can take advantage of that and hit them, but it's a game seven. Anything can happen. So that's what makes it so nerve wracking. That's what I don't understand too. It's like, I don't think the Astros um, uh, pitchers are that inconsistent. I just mm-hmm. think the Yankee hitters are just, they're either on point or they're going to lose seven one, you know? Well, the, the first two games are really close. I mean, like yeah. Dallas Keuchel for the Astros had had the Yankees number for the past two years, so it was a yeah. miracle to actually beat them. And Justin Verlander has been great since he got traded, since uh, about two months ago now. So I was hoping he'd be due for a bad start, but that wasn't the case yesterday. Well, good luck, Tim. I uh, um, thank you. <laughs> I expect that you're going to be bald by the end of that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my hair is already short, but yeah, if there's if it's a close. Stress-filled game. I'll be pulling hair out. <laughs> but that's still two hours away. Thankfully, we'll be doing this podcast to help keep me calm and hopefully relax until then. So it'll yeah. be a nice distraction and spending the whole day worrying about the game because I already did that last night after they lost. <laughs> and plus, too, it's – I guess it's a good thing. I don't know. I've never experienced this, Tim, for uh, for us to be this deep into October. And, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, my – uh, my favorite baseball team still to be playing baseball. So, <laughs> it's well, great. at least one of your players is now experiencing a deep October run with Sonny Gray. <laughs> Who so, pitched well in his game. Who's getting the start tonight? Uh, Sabathia. Oh. Who's 10-0 and 0 in Yankees losses this year. So hopefully he goes 11-0. <laughs> is he your uh, ace? He no, not really. But he's been pitching like one. He's been yeah. like the stopper. I mean, yeah, the Yankees pitching has been surprisingly really, really good this postseason. When that was pretty much the big question mark going into it, and it's been really solid. So, just need to get one more, <laughs> one more, and then you, you, if you win it, your, um, your team has to face the streaking Dodgers. Yep, which is they all have to happen. For a few reasons, because first of all, you know, I want the Yankees to win because they're my favorite team, obviously. But it's been an improbable year for them. They weren't even supposed to make it this far. So it's almost like they're proving everyone wrong just by how far they've advanced. But at the same time, too, I want to experience a Yankee Dodger World Series in my lifetime because I've just heard from so many people how great and classics those World Series have been. So we can get one of those and experience it for the first time. I think that would be so much fun. So here's hoping. I guess too. I don't know. I've I've, I've never experienced this before. <laughs> it's been a while for me too. So, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe like two thousand the the Subway Series. When was that? Two thousand. Mm. Yeah, maybe then was the last well, time. I'm kind of sounding like a spoiled Yankee fan because I say it's been a while. It's actually just been since two thousand nine since <laughs> the Yankees won and made it to a World Series. So it hasn't been too too long, but. From a Yankees fan's perspective, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, that was a good but, series, by the way. Which one? The the Subway series. 
Well, yeah, definitely for Yankee fans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're heartbreaking for Met fans. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we'll get through this podcast and have a good time. But afterwards, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. So <laughs> I got to enjoy this. <laughs> so as always, we like to start off with the Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. And we're going to be going from minutes 92 to 93. So as always, get your DVD, VHS, beta tape, laser disc, your blockbuster video membership subscription, your Netflix physical media disc, all those you know relevant formats right now. And Redbox maybe. I still see people at like supermarkets and stuff at the Redbox machine, so I don't think that's quite dead yet. Yeah, but do you know anybody that does that? I personally don't, yeah. <laughs> but I see people use them. So, wow, really? Yeah, but I don't know. Pretty soon, Blu-ray is going to be moving on that list sooner than later. Like. I'm entering the 4K <laughs> world. <laughs> All I need is my Xbox One X, and then I'm fully in 4K mode. So <laughs> sooner or later, we'll be saying Blu-ray, but not so, quite just yet. So those Redbox uh, discs or whatever, the, the um, they're just DVDs, or are they Blu-rays too? That's a good question. Part of me thinks uh, it's probably just DVDs, maybe just a yeah. few Blu-rays, but I don't know. Never really looked into it because... Never had a reason to go to a red box and rent anything, so I don't know. Not sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this commentary. All right. So we'll start in three, two, one, go. Scoring getting up in the hospital bed. John Blake with the shotgun running through the halls. There's all the nurses and doctors. And, Hopefully and they're so dark. taking cover. Why is it so dark in this hospital? <laughs> I did love Gordon's line here. Just clear the room, rookie. <laughs> Showing George or John Blake's, you know, inexperience at that moment. How come he has a gun in the hospital? Yeah, I'm trying to think more because he took, well, he took the shotgun. Were you talking about Gordon or John Blake? Uh, Gordon. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the cop always has to have a gun. <laughs> I guess. It was a small one. Yeah. And it looks like we're going to see the end of Dr. Pavel. Oh. And I remember seeing, this is like the first bit of dialogue I ever heard from Bane from like leaked audio clips yeah. that came out like a year before the movie. And this is where we first got a taste of, oh man, that's what Bane's going to sound like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, striking at first, but in the end it got used to it. And then I, I think it fits. So, But I remember that bit of dialogue where we were talking to Dr. Pavel there. It was the first time I've heard Tom Hardy's Bane. Dr. Pavel. <laughs> Dr. Pavel, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> you served your he... purpose in the story, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it for minute 92 on our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary. And with that, we can go into our discussion topics. And we're not going to have a normal set feature topic for this one because you know we're going to be playing catch-up on this episode with some of the big new stuff that's happened over the last few weeks and got quite a bit of comics to go over. So I'm going to just talk about that stuff. So first off, the big thing that happened about two weeks ago was the new justice league trailer that we got. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised or kind of surprised and not surprised at the same time, because we know they really want to try to market the film. But at the same time too, we were so close to the movie coming out, like just a little over a month away. And, you know, at that point, we really don't need to see any new trailers, but being the fans that we are, we're going to watch it anyway. <laughs> but I did 
make a point that now I'm on full just sleep blackout mode where I'm not going to watch any TV spots or featurettes that they might be putting out. And they seem to be, you know, releasing some or stuff still going to be on the way from the marketing standpoint where they're going to be showing more footage of it. So I'm completely off the grid with Justice League and new footage now. So, but for this trailer, it's kind of weird. It's both at the same time, not really the best trailer that they released for Justice League, but at the same time, it is kind of a good trailer in a way for me because here's why. Uh, like I said, it wasn't the best out of the four that they released. There was nothing really in there that blew me away like the other ones did that got me super pumped. But in a way, that's good because as I was just saying, I don't want them. This trailer kind of wasn't unnecessary being so close. So they didn't show tons of new footage. It was mixed in with some of the previous stuff we've seen. But some of the shots we still got were still cool. And it did a great job, I thought. With, you know, I was worried that we're going to finally show Superman in here. I just thinking to myself, oh, they're fourth trailer in. I don't think they're going to be able to resist not having one shot of Superman. And they did and they didn't, which I thought was kind of great. I liked how it kind of started with that dream sequence of Lois seeing Clark. We got to see Henry Cavill as Clark Kent here, but that's it. It's kind of a good way of, you know, showing that he's in this movie but they're not having the big reveal of his comeback as superman yet so i thought that was a smart way of including him at the same time not including superman so i thought that was well done but then yeah like i said it's kind of pretty standard stuff that we've got in the other trailers a few cool new shots here and there um one of the new ones uh i just like the battle sequence that they showing off of that big battle looks like between the amazons and parademons and steppenwolf invading probably early on in earth's history all that like Lord of the Rings style battle sequence looks really cool. More cool shots, you know, of the Justice League in action. I love the shots of Wonder Woman in this one where she's standing on that big statue. <laughs> just like, it's almost like I could see it as a comic cover for a Wonder Woman comic, which is pretty cool. Just her standing on there in a cool pose. And then just the quick shots we got of her fighting Steppenwolf look really cool. Just the, the wide shot reminded me of some of the cool action sequence we've got in her actual film and seeing more of that in Justice League, I think it's going to be cool. And then I really like the scene at the end where I think the trailer ends on this, where it's Bruce, Diana and Barry, you know, they're all talking. And then they see the bat signal and Barry's like, oh, cool. It's the bat signal. Like that's you. Oh, I gotta be quiet. Like, like that's time for us to go. And then this Bruce reacted to that. Like, yeah, that's what it means. So all that stuff was good. It wasn't a bad trailer by any means. It just, you know, didn't get me as excited as the other one did because we're so close and it didn't like show anything brand new and go oh man this is going to be even more awesome but that's good it didn't do that because i don't want them to show that stuff that you know is going to get us more excited when actually in the movie they did enough in the previous trailers to get me excited for it and they don't need to go overboard with that so like i said it's strange it's uh you know not as good as the other trailer but at the same time it's the perfect trailer to get right now because they didn't go overboard with showing new stuff so that's my take on it. I, I mean, it's kind of crazy that we're just under a month away now from Justice League. And so I'm still very excited for it. And it was cool to get a little more new footage before it's released, but thankfully not too much. So, uh, Dane, I know <laughs> I know beforehand you're not in love with this trailer, but let's yeah. just hear your take on it. Uh, even as um, we're so close to the movie now, if it did anything to get you a little more excited, less excited, but what, what say you? I will say this. Um, it's a trailer. Um, it reminded me... It it reminds me of... I mean, Tim, you've seen... You, you've been to a 
professional baseball game, right? Mm-hmm. You've, I assume, have watched it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I no, assume, I've never seen a game on TV. <laughs> I assume you've seen, you know, like a football game on TV, right? I will say that's only a handful of games I've seen of football. Well, on TV. you've seen one, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this trailer kind of reminds me of, you know, those, uh, press things that they do at the beginning of each game where they show like, like those highlight packages of like, mm-hmm. of, oh, they scored a touchdown. Look at this uh, receiver catching the ball and look at this quarterback catching the ball. I mean, uh, throwing the ball, uh, look at Aaron judge hitting a home run over and over again. Right. 52 times to be exact. 52 times. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> That, this trailer reminded me of that. This was just like a a, a burner trailer, if you mm. will. This is just like a flash trailer, where it's just like, you know, here's a scene, and then here's a scene, and then here's a scene, and here's a scene. Here's a joke, and here's another scene. Here's a joke, here's a joke, and here's another scene. You know, and it's not really connecting for me. It's, where's the story you know, why haven't we heard anything about the story? I mean, I, I understand this is a big movie and everything. This is, you know, going to be one of the big movies of the year. Um, but you take a look at the Star Wars trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about this later, don't worry. Because <laughs> uh, we're nerds. Um, we cannot not talk about it. <laughs> um, but you look at the Star Wars trailer, even that first one they released, right? Mm-hmm. You get a hint of story. You get where the story is going. Um, and this most recent trailer is a li- it's it's still flashy. It still has you know Kylo Ren going around in his Tie Fighter Tie Silencer. Sorry, Tim. Oh, man, um, there you go. <laughs> um, you see him going, you know, in his TIE silencer and you see like these battle scenes and stuff, but you still get a hint of where the story is going. Um, with this Justice League trailer, it's not so much. It's just, like I said in my email to your, uh, the saga, saga continues show, this is just CGI cartoons fighting and cheesy, cheesy, cheesy one liners that don't really hit because there's no context to them. You know, it's just Flash being like, hey, look, that's your signal, right? Or, you know, Aquaman saying, so, yeah, this is this is how we do it, you know. That's the kind of impression that I got from this. It's not so much substance as it is just Flash. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, okay, I, I guess there's going to be some epic, cool battle scenes and there's going to be epic cool stuff you know uh i guess you know there's gonna be this big battle scene at the end but we kind of expected that we know that already uh we know it's gonna be visually stunning dark it's gonna be very very overcast dark right but red (laughs) sorry there was sunshine in the beginning it was either a setting or a rising uh yeah rising or a setting sun and there's gonna be the red red sun at the end but i mean i guess my point is is we already know all this and to put something together like this where it's kind of like a promo thing like a i mean i understand trailers are promos right 
but to be so heavy handed with it is just like uh, I don't I don't really want to see like all these you know cool flashy scenes I want to see more about the story and more you know with the team working together and stuff like that rather than all of this fighting and I don't know maybe I'm alone on that and that's fine but it's making me really really scared about the story again which is which was my biggest pet peeve of uh, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad it's the story I mean it's you can have all of these things you know all of this um, all of these action scenes and stuff but if your story isn't there then you've got nothing I mean look at the Avengers movies yeah there's these big battle scenes and stuff but there's also a great story behind them and I don't feel the same way about this Justice League trailer maybe I'm expecting too much from it Maybe, you know, I mean, this is only one minute and 30 second trailer, but I don't know. I just expected more out of this trailer story-wise. And um, I told you this uh, when we were supposed to uh, record uh, two weeks ago, Tim, uh, but I have a real big confession to make and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to probably make me lose my Batman fan card, right? Um, Batman vs. Superman is probably the worst uh, movie-going experience, uh, ever, uh, you know, in my life that wow. I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, now, it, did you it, see Batman and Robin in the movie theater? I did. Oh, I'm saying something. I was a kid, right? And I loved it. But uh, this one, uh, Batman vs Superman, it, yeah, it's it's one of, and I've seen I've seen some crap in the movie theater, <laughs> in the movie at the movie theaters. You know, I've seen Pearl Harbor. I've seen the first Transformers. Uh, I've seen I've seen some bad movies in the theater. So, yeah, this is probably the worst movie I've ever gone to see in the movie theater. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty surprising. <laughs> I, I know you didn't like it, but to say their worst movie-going experience ever, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't, safe to say it hasn't aged well for you, I think. <laughs> no. No, it hasn't aged well. Um, and, and, ag- well. and again, I've seen some crap movies in, in, the, in the theater, and this has to be the worst. Well, in regards to the Justice League trailer, yeah. I think it's it is fair to say where this there wasn't a lot of story points in this trailer. It was like you said, you know, just you know, flashpoints of some cool action and like you said, the humor. Whether it hit for you or not, that's up to the person watching it. But yeah, yeah, and it's but at the it, same it, time it's too. All, it's all your opinion. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's people have differing opinions, and maybe it hit for some people or most people. But for me, it just ah. The cheesy one-liners. It's the Aquaman. Yeah, let's do this thing, you know, sort of thing. Mm. I just think it's it's also fair to say where for this trailer it didn't necessarily need to have a lot of like heavy story points handed to you because I think they did a good job of that in the last trailer that we got at Comic Con with uh, Steppenwolf and his monologue and then just and and talking about the invasion. And that's the thing about this this movie where which I hope the story isn't overly complicated i've said this before just have it be a simple invasion story 
And you mentioned the Avengers. That's all that was. The story for that was pretty simple. Loki's bringing an alien invasion and then they team up to stop it. Just have it be something simple like that, but have the movie be, you know, have the characters, you know, carry the movie and their interactions and all that. So that's what I'm hoping for this movie. And I think in the past trailers, they I've gotten that at least, you know, just showing what the story is going to be, you know, looking for the mother box. That's the key to the invasion and Steppenwolf coming to Earth. And then, of course, all the heroes banding together to stop them. And that's good enough for me. I mean, that's all this movie needs is have it rest on the shoulders of the characters, the interactions and just some cool action sequences. So with this trailer, I agree with you. Not a lot of story. Definitely not. But at the same time, it's the fourth trailer. So I'm not yeah. going to really fault it too much for that because I thought for me anyway, they did a good job in the last two. So, again, it's one of those things where we shouldn't even really had this trailer. If you were, If I was in charge of marketing, we wouldn't have gotten this trailer for it. I think. Yeah, two should be. I think the perfect amount is two, like some most of the Star Wars do. But now they've kind of had three. But I don't think the Last Jedi is going to get three. I'll be surprised. Three, I think, should be the max. Ideally, two, but three is the max. When you get four, that's you know, it feels like it's pushing it a little bit. So that's why, like I said before, the trailer did a good job of not showing too much new stuff. But at the same time, wasn't really necessary. So yeah, and I guess what I'm afraid of really is, I mean, I, I'm gonna wait for the reviews um for this uh justice league movie um uh, tim's review and then the professional reviews um are you saying my review is not professional how well, dare you <laughs> well tim let's put it this way your review means more to me than, <laughs> than <laughs> well, most professional you, reviews uh, but um i forgot what i was gonna say um, <laughs> oh okay no no i remember now uh I guess what I'm afraid of really is it's going to be more like fan service rather than a, a story driven um, movie where, you know, in, in Batman versus Superman, it was the cool dark, uh, dark Knight returns pose that Batman did, you know, well, like you there, see- there's that slow motion scene where they're all walking towards um, doomsday, you know, I think Batman v Superman is a really story-driven movie. If you think about it, there's not too much action in it. The the thing is, the story wasn't really that great (laughs) to be engaging for how long it was, too. So that's why I'm thinking, have this be such a a simple story. Don't have it be story-driven. Just have it be character-driven. Or put it this way. It kind of reminds me of Suicide Squad, where it was those Mm -hmm. quick one-liners and, you know, look look how, you know, unique I am. And it worked for for harley mm-hmm. and just harley you know <laughs> so i think that shot out some good ones too not really because they tried to connect <laughs> it to batman and it didn't really work um boomerang captain boomerang didn't work at all um katana she barely had any lines yeah, anyway it was so. like <laughs> i was like was she even in that why was she in that movie <laughs> Um, so it kind of feels like that sort of thing where it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. <laughs> well, it all comes down to, you know, how the whole movie feels together as a complete film. And maybe the one liners will work better once you see them in context and there's not too much of them. Maybe it's just because you're seeing so much of them in the trailer. It makes yeah. you think, you know, that's what the whole movie's going to be. Hopefully be pretty well balanced. Kind of how you know, like the the Avengers. You mentioned the Avengers, and that is the template we got to go off of because that is kind of the perfect team up 
movie of bringing heroes together that we've seen before. So, of course, we're going to look to that as, you know, the template of where hopefully Justice League, not copy it, but capture the feel and the magic that the, the first Avengers movie did, but in its own way. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We're just, like I said, a little under a month away now, and kind of curious when tickets are going to go on sale because <laughs> they have, I got my Star Wars tickets, but they haven't announced when Justice League is going to go on sale, so hopefully that will be soon. Yeah, it's too bad they... they um... Too bad they didn't do it like the um, uh, the Last Jedi trailer, where they um, I know. released the trailer and then they had the ticket sale. So. And I was surprised they didn't. Oh, that's the perfect time! Release your final trailer, get your yeah. tickets after you see that. So, yeah, I gotta say though, um, it's definitely gonna be a wait and see for me. Uh, wait for the reviews. Um, if it's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, gonna hold off for a little bit. Well, I've been podcasting with you for five years, Dane. I know what you like and don't like, so yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be able to tell if you'll like this movie after I see it. So, yeah. <laughs> but I will say that day the trailer came out, it was like one of the best geek days ever. We got the day started with the Justice League trailer, then we got the little teases for the Last Jedi video trailer coming out in those short videos, and then we got some pretty big news that you know I'm geeking out over so so much. Yes, Batman the Animated Series. Is coming to Blu-ray. Finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> you, uh, you know how much I've been waiting for this. Kind of banging on that drum for a while. Really, and, Tim? You've been waiting for this for uh, your uh, entire life? <laughs> I don't know my entire life. Ever since Blu-rays came out as a dominant <laughs> format. so <laughs> I think I've said it one or twice on this episode. Or this podcast. So, <laughs> But yeah, this was that was unexpected news for that day. It was really, really awesome to get and it came out of New York Comic Con, and they had a Batman 25th anniversary panel with Bruce Timm, Alan Burnett, Tara Strong, and Kevin Conroy. And it's a great panel too, just you know to hear them talk about the history of Batman the animated series. Nothing really too new told at that panel, but I can hear those guys talk about the series for forever, really. Even if I've heard those stories a numerous amount of times, I just love hearing them talk about the amazing show they created. So. Definitely check out that panel because it's it's available pretty much anywhere. They live streamed it and I tweeted out a link to the video. It was really cool. One thing, the one new thing I thought that was pretty cool that I learned on that panel was Alan Burnett talked about an unused story idea that they were going to use. sounded really cool, but because of the nature of it, they weren't allowed to finish it. It was going to tell the history of the gun that killed Bruce's parents. He was talking about how you would see kind of how it was made and then the different people that used it uh, before it got to the hands of uh, Joe Chill, or he didn't say Joe Chill, but uh, the, the man who killed Bat- Batman's parents. And just to see the kind of that history and where it has been and then leading up to that moment, I think would have been really, really cool. But unfortunately, because it dealt with guns and, you know, it was such a heavy subject, they weren't allowed to make it. So that was sounded like a great idea that hopefully can be used somewhere down the line. And I don't know whether a comic story or they ever go back and <laughs> use an unused script for a future Batman animated movie or something. I think that could be really cool. So it was awesome to learn that at the panel. But like I said, hearing the Blu-ray announcement, I just found out through Twitter scrolling through it. And I seen people talking about Batman animated series coming on Blu-ray. It's like, well, what, what did this happen? <laughs> but it's all thanks to the sales of the mask of the Phantasm Blu-ray, which I guess did well enough to warrant a re- remaster. They did say it's going to be a remastered version of the animated series. So they did a good job with the Phantasm. Like I said in my review, there are some shots that kind of had a little blurred or soft-looking feel to it. But 
for me anyway, it didn't take away from the whole movie. Just maybe a handful of shots here and there. So if they can clean that up for the animated series release, or if, even if there's just a few in certain episodes, I can live with that. It's just going to be great to have them remastered. The only thing I'm really hoping for is that they redo the sound and make it 5.1 because at least 5.1, we know there's better sound options out there as well. But the, the Phantasm Blu-ray was kind of disappointing in the sound aspect. It was just kind of your typical, you know, 2.0 stereo. So they could, you know, put a little more money into the sound as well. That would make it amazing. So I'm super excited about it. It's going to come out in 2018. No exact month just yet, but you know I'm going to pre-order as soon as those go up. So I can't wait. And speaking of TV shows, I um, I watched the new Star Trek. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's really good. Really? Yeah. Uh, I've heard the, mixed the, things the on first, it. first... Yeah, you see, that's the thing. Like the first, I'd say, the first episode and the half of the uh, second episode, it kind of feels weird um, because that's spoiler alert uh, for Star Trek uh, Discovery. Um, the first ship that you see is not the ship Discovery. It's it's not the 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 main one. Um, and that kind of just throws you off, and majorly, and it, it skips ahead in time, and you um, then like the third. I think it's the third episode. You finally get onto the the discovery itself, and that was just like a huge like. They shouldn't have started off the show like that. They should have started it off on discovery rather than um, because then you got to meet a whole new set of characters. Mm-hmm, I mean, okay. they, they they go through the whole show. I mean. The, the whole first two episodes, I think, they introduce you to all the characters, and then uh, something happens, and there's the discovery ship, and you got to meet a whole set of new characters after that. Yeah. So, I wonder if that's in a weird way, kind of paying homage to the original Star Trek series, because you know the first two pilot episodes was a totally different crew except for Spock. Yeah. And then uh, after I mean, that's the whole new cast, but I wonder if that was kind of their way to. You know, pay a little homage to that. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, I guess, but I, I guess, <laughs> I guess nowadays that doesn't really work. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, That's good that you like it though, because I've heard mixed things on it. And for me, I, it's hard for me to get into other Star Trek series that's yeah. not with the original uh, crew members. There's just something about them that's just so special. I know there's other great series out there. Everyone says the Next Generation's amazing, but yeah, it, and there's uh, something about that original crew where they just can't be beat. Yeah, and the 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 main character, uh, her name is Michael. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, man, she she's a really good actress, and she totally like sells you on the show. Um, That's and good. I I think uh, this um, tomorrow is going to be the the fifth episode, and um, I think uh, this past episode they they really hit their stride, and I think they finally you know are settling down, and you know they're going to tell their story. That's good. Is there a kind of like, as far as you know, the crew and the main cast, is there kind of its own thing? Or can you tell they're trying to be like certain past Star Trek characters? Like, oh, can no, you say no. there's like it's, a Spot character or there's a McCoy character? Or? Yeah, it's totally its own thing. Um, okay, that's good. The, there's, see, what they do is there's hints of it. Like, um, you know, like the captain is kind of Kirkish, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like a spin on it, right? And I guess like the science officer, you know, it's kind of like whoever the science officer was. But there's kind of a spin to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
it's it, it's that sort of thing. I mean, they, they, there's no like, okay, that's that's a spot right there. That's a that's a bones right there. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's on like the CBS's like own streaming service or something, right? It's like not on TV. Yeah, yeah, it's on the CBS All Access. I uh, si- signed up for the free trial uh, j- just to watch the the Star Trek and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I enjoy it, so I'm gonna pay for it. <laughs> pay for oh, one good, show. <laughs> well, at least it's did its job that way. <laughs> yeah, try to hook you in, and then like it so much you get it. So yeah, I'm wondering what it the. Worked. I'm wondering what like because I'm not a serious diehard Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what like those those fans think about it. Yeah. But- from the people I follow on Twitter, who the few I know are diehard Star Trek fans, that's yeah. where I see yeah. that it's mixed. I know some love it, and some are like, eh, "I'm not too sure about oh, it." Oh, really? So, yeah. So, so they're not they're 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 kind of in the middle then. Yeah, just, like I said, just from the people I follow, so I'm like I'm not steep into Star Trek fandom, so I don't really know what the Trekkie uh, or Trekkers, yeah. <laughs> what's the correct term for it, what their consensus <laughs> consensus is of it. Trekkies. So. <laughs> Um, I remember but, Trekkies being a derogatory term for Star oh, Trek fans, so, so. <laughs> I hope they still feel that way. Sorry to all the Star Trek fans, but um, <laughs> from what I hear and what I've read, it's um, this has been the case with, with Star Trek shows, where they start off really slow and, you know, they not so great, like the next generation didn't start off great, um, Deep Space Nine uh, mm. didn't start off great, so... Yeah, maybe this is just one of those cases where you just have to wait for them to put out the episodes. Yeah, you can't base a show like if it's horrible or great or not just on a handful of episodes. You gotta ride with it for a little bit. So, but yeah. it, if you're saying you know it's in its stride right now, that's a good thing, and for being pretty early on, if they're only five episodes in, so that's good. Yeah, it's 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 a really great story, but you have to invest yourself in the story. That's the problem because. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off with one story and then it jumps into a totally, totally different story. And I, I can understand how that throws people off, like majorly, because it almost threw me off. I was like, wait, so all those people, like like, like Michelle Yeoh is not going to be on this show? And like all these people that have been talking and, you know, all these people, it's, it's like none of these people are going to be on the show. This is like a different, completely different show. It... it and that's how kind of how it feels like it feels like uh. a completely different show so i can understand how that can turn people off so but it, yeah, well, but i mean it's hit its stride i i feel invested in it so that's good yeah, we'll see if i ever make a jump to another star trek series with a different crew <laughs> <laughs> over the years but i'm not counting on it with all the other stuff <laughs> that i've been to so we'll see so yeah, I was I was complaining about you know not having a show to watch, um, but I guess I found one, so that's good. Yep. And who thought it'd be Star Trek? Yeah, I know. Who thought who thought it would be <laughs> Star Trek? But moving on from Star Trek to the other Star franchise, but oh, which one is that? I was saying out. Which one is that one? Uh, Darn, I was trying to think of some other franchise with the word star right there. Like, nothing came to mind. <laughs> Doesn't Neil deGrasse Tyson have a show like Star or something? Uh, that would be I don't know, maybe. Star Talk. Star Talk. <laughs> star Talk, I think it's called. Maybe the, the other movie, The Last Starfighter. I don't know. 
But is, yes, is that that Wing Commander um, movie that Mark Hamill was in? No, that, well, uh, Mark Hamill was just in the video games Wing Commander. Then oh, he wasn't in the movie. No, the movie's yeah, totally so, separate. So, so it was like a full movie video thing. Hmm. Yeah. One of those early PC games that had, you know, actual movie cutscenes yeah. in there. So Yeah, like the first Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad games don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, was, it was something of its time, that's for sure. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I was talking about how Sunday was a great geek day with all that stuff we got. But then, you know, the big one came the day after the last Jedi trailer. And oh boy, did that live up to expectations for, or I, I'd say surpass and yeah, going into a course I was excited, but man, it blew me away. It, to me, it was one of the, if not the best Star Wars trailer I've ever seen, just because it not only looked awesome, but it was full of surprises. It just made me like, like gasp in certain areas. It made me question certain things that threw things at me that I got, Oh man, they're going in that direction. It's like all this stuff that makes a trailer great. makes you excited. makes you, you know, speculate, makes you wonder, like, are they going to go this way or that? It just had everything. And then some amazing shots, that Captain Phasma shot. Oh, but man, I've been waiting forever to see that. Her in action, her and Finn are going to go at it. And that costume, as amazing as it looks, seeing it in action makes it look even cooler. So, so much good stuff in this trailer. And yeah, if you want to hear me talk about it in depth, there's a four-hour podcast of <laughs> Star Wars The Saga Continues just on that trailer. So you could definitely hear more in-depth impressions for me on every single shot but four hours worth then <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was our 100th episode so we had to hit a new landmark and the length of it so it was a lot of fun though <laughs> but it was easy also easy to do when we get an amazing trailer like that i just loved it to death so i don't know if you feel the same way that it's the best star wars trailer ever but it's pretty yeah. up there for me to just like i said not just how it looked because it looked awesome but just all the surprises that threw in there also well, Tim, it was awful. Didn't <laughs> okay, like this it podcast is over. <laughs> First, you didn't like Justice League. Now you don't like this. Okay, goodbye. No, no. Of course, I loved it. It was ah, that is as close as you can get to a perfect trailer. Mm, yeah, you, you get hints of the story, like I said before, but not too much either. They not still too much. Tons of questions, and you know, like ninety-eight percent of this this trailer isn't going to be in the movie, so. You're not going to be spoiled on anything. <laughs> had to bring that up, Dan. Just had to bring that up. That's still a sore spot for me with Rogue One. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think they're going to do that again. Um, I think they learned the hard way that they shouldn't be doing that. But, um, yeah, I mean, every single thing, like uh, the, the action set pieces, you get a hint of story. Um, it does not look like, and I, I, I said this in my email, uh, it's not. It it looks like Luke isn't gonna be the right teacher for uh, Ray, and I feel the same way about uh, Kylo. I don't think. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name, Tim. Snoke. Snoke. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't think. I don't think Snoke is the right teacher for um, Kylo. And I think what this movie is going to be is going to it's going to be them breaking up breaking away from their teachers, mm-hmm. or at least that's the impression that I got. Um, no, I kind of got that too, and that's one of the cool things where you know I wasn't expecting to see because that last shot in the trailer, where even though we were talking about this 
before we recorded, but now it ends with Ray saying, you know, she needs one. She needs someone to show her her place in all this. And then the next thing you yeah. see is Kylo Ren extending her hand. I don't think that those shots are the same. I think she's no, saying yeah, that line to someone not. else. Yeah. But I still think it's it's Ray Kylo Ren is extending that hand to. It's just going to be a totally different circumstances from that. So and, the yeah. idea of them kind of you know maybe teaming up in a way like it didn't work out with their masters and now they're going to team up to you know bring balance to the force and galaxy in their own way that's you know that just threw a curveball for me and what i think this trilogy can go yeah and it's not only that it's also the fact that um and again i said this is me i'm pretty much repeating my email to you guys um it seems like uh and this is great i love this that luke isn't obi-wan you know, mm-hmm. and he's not Qui Gon, and he's not Matt. He he he's not Yoda for them. For the um, uh, so, I just I don't know. I kind of get this impression that it's not going to go well between uh, Luke and Ray. Um, he Luke isn't that wise old man sort of thing. He seems really really paranoid and really really. Um, Really scared. <laughs> scared, right? Yeah. I just love that shot where word. you see the crack go in the rocks, and then you see that sh- sh- look of shock on Luke's face, like, "Oh yeah. man, the power she has." Yeah, and it's it's sort of that great power sort of thing, right? It's like um, when they first come upon Anakin. It's mm. but the opposite of that, right? Where whereas like Qui Gon and Obi Wan were excited. It seems well, Qui Gon like, at first. Obi-Wan, it took Obi Wan. Oh yeah, so, sorry, sorry. Qui Gon was. Um, it seems like Luke is scared of this, and I, I I love that sort of change in in attitude, where it's like I don't know if you know. I don't know if Luke is the right person for her. You know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I. They made hints in certain interviews that kind of Ray and Luke are going to help each other. Like Ray is going to help Luke get out of the rut that he's in, and then yeah. you know, Luke's going to help Ray find her place. But at the same time, I still think that's going to happen in a way. But something's going to happen at the end of the movie that's going to you know flip things over. Like I said, somehow bring Ray and Kylo Ren together. And another shocking moment too in the trailer was when you see Snow, you know, force paralyzing ray and just yeah i was not expecting them to come face to face in this movie i thought that might be something they'd say for episode nine but the fact that they're going to be seeing each other and face to face and wow i was like oh man <laughs> like yeah what's going to go down in that scene is yeah, luke going to come in and save her or does she go off on her own kind of like <laughs> luke and empire did this just like i said opened so many questions of what's going to happen that's probably the scene that's not going to be in the movie tim <laughs> no it better be man <laughs> but but I had a thought to him, and I mean, this is totally not going to happen, right? It's mm-hmm. totally, totally not going to happen. I don't, I don't expect this to happen. But what if Luke is the bad guy? Yeah. What, what if, what if Snoke was the uh, Luke student, and Luke did all this? No, I've heard theories about that. I just yeah. don't think that's going to happen. It, I don't yeah. think they're going to go that way with Luke and just kind of destroy everything he did in the original trilogy of, you know, being the great hero character, re- helping redeem his father. Then he goes bad. The next one's like, he's going to be in a bad place mentally yeah. and emotionally, but he's not, I don't think he's going to be evil or a villain type thing, but yeah, I'm just they're kind of marketing of... that a little bit too. I think it's yeah. to throw people off course because I don't know if you saw this, the, these, there's these two standees they have at IMAX 
uh, displays to help promote the movie. Yeah. One's a hero standee, the other's a villain standee, but Luke's on both of them. Like on the hero side, you see him with his hood down, you can clearly see his face, but then on yeah. the villain standee, you see him with the hood over his head. Kind of look, it's kind of how he looks in the poster, but, you know, mm-hmm. looking a little more, I don't know, a little, little more evil than I guess than other images we've seen of him, but I think that's a misdirection. Like I said, we're going to see Luke in a bad place, but I don't think he's going to be the bad guy, per se. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know how like uh, Force Awakens was sort of like a. <laughs> this is a bad. This is a bad uh, word or whatever, but uh, it was kind of like a copy of um, A New Hope. Yeah, seeing those then, criticism, and I, I know yeah. what you mean. There's some moments where I think that too, but no. But you see, I actually appreciated that in uh, mm-hmm. the Force Awakens, and let's just say the Last Jedi is going to be a copy of. Um, uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'm just looking for that twist, you know, mm-hmm. that I am your father twist. So they're even saying in some of the descriptions of the movie now, like some of the greatest secrets of the Star Wars saga to be revealed <laughs> in this movie. So yeah, I'm expecting something I mean, like that too. Like, so. like um, or what I'm wondering is like, what? Where's uh, Jar Jar? <laughs> Well, they do say where Jar Jar is at in one of the books. Yeah, but that yeah. doesn't count, you know. No, the so. books count now. Oh, they do. <laughs> it's all part of the canon. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty even... much like a lowly street jester on Naboo, looking really? for work like a street performer. Yeah. Uh, He's seen better yeah. days. Yeah. You know, it must have been so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, like, um, you know, they announced that there's going to be a new character. First, there's going to be a new trilogy of films or whatever. There's going to be a new Star Wars movie. And then, you know, there's going to be a new character and it's going to be a the, the a, a cool character and stuff. And you know how back in, like, the, the 90s, yeah. you know, you had the dial-up internet. And then, <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> it took hours to download that first Phantom Menace trailer. I remember it well. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the trailer. I'm talking about, like, the first picture of this yeah. new character. <laughs> who, who is it? And then, you know, you click on it and then you're, you're downloading the photo and it's slowly going and it's like, is that floppy ears? Is that bug eyes? <laughs> <laughs> How come he's so gangly? <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear a dog. <laughs> Poor Jar Jar. Is he, yeah. you know, the greatest thing in the movie? No. Is he annoying? Yes. Does he ruin Star Wars? Absolutely not. Like, it's, he has his place weird. in it now. We just, I just accept him. It, it, yeah, I accept him too. And Jar Jar is Jar Jar. Exactly. But it's weird how he had such an integral part <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, in the movies. This, the story overall, I mean, he yeah, helped. Story. He had a big part in creating the Empire. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, he didn't vote or... He got pressured into voting yes. <laughs> yep, uh, he gave the chancellor emergency powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think that's weird. Like this goofy character that nobody liked had such an integral part <laughs> in all of this. <laughs> I think that's awesome in the way yeah, that Lucas yeah. did that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sadly, I don't think we're going to be seeing any Jar Jar in the oh, Last man. Jedi or Episode Nine. Hopefully, a Gungan or two. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, think we're going to see Jar Jar, especially the fat Gungans. Yeah, Boss Nass. Yeah, Boss Nass. <laughs> he needs to have his own standalone movie. <laughs> he needs his own trilogy, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got the title for the Han Solo movie, just Solo, a Star Wars story. Let's just get 
boss of Star Wars story. <laughs> Everyone will know it's Boss Naz. Or, or Gunga. Gunga. Yeah. <laughs> Gunga. A Gungan Star Wars story. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, is... I, I can almost see them doing something like that. But but you know how they did like the, the Lion King 2 where it was like uh-huh. straight to DVD or straight yeah. to video, I'm sorry. Uh, sh- straight to VHS, I'm sorry. Um, I can see them kind of do doing something like that. Well, I'm, go. <laughs> and I buy it too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Anything they put out, I'm going to buy it. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just curious about what happened to Gunga. You know, what, it's still there. What happened to Naboo? They're all still there. Like they're under the oppression of the Empire. But then once they got defeated, it, it slowly yeah. in some of the books they don't go into full detail. But you know, trying to make their way back. Were they still a monarchy under the Empire? Um, for a time, yeah. And then they. They just became to, under Imperial occupation. It's actually it was going to be a level in the single player campaign in the next Battlefront. So oh, yeah? it'd be cool. Hopefully, get a little more info on what's going on on Naboo after Return of the Jedi. So that'd be cool. So you can see the place where um, Anakin was talking about sand? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully you'll be running through there yeah. <laughs> in the single player story. Wow. Well, here's the hoping that Battlefront 3 or whatever has a, a great scene in Gunga. It's a great environment. I wouldn't mind that at all. It's a well-designed place. It looks cool. Yeah, and you get to have those like mouth breather things. The, um, those go in those little bubbles. Yeah, yeah, the bubbles, and you get to see Boss Nass. Yeah, hopefully so he's still be... alive. Well, even in Clone Wars, he wasn't the head of the Gungans anymore. They had a new leader. I don't know what happened to Boss Nass, but we oh, saw him really? at the funeral in Revenge of the Sith. He just yeah. wasn't in charge of the Gungans at that time. What happened? I'm trying to think. Because yeah, they just had a new a new ruler in the Clone Wars, so I don't think they say what happened, but I'm sure there's a you know a background <laughs> information on what actually happened to Boss Nass. Maybe his term was just up. Maybe they elected a new ruler. Yeah, I guess. See, this is why we need the Boss Nass standalone movie. I, I'm all for it, Tim. I'm all for <laughs> it. And and what happened to the Queen of Naboo? Yeah, they haven't delve too much into that i just yeah. think once the empire took over they probably maybe allowed them to rule but you know kind of just a figurehead in the empire was really in charge but yeah. or maybe they got rid of it altogether i'm not sure the question that i re- i keep on forgetting to ask you is you know the um uh, you know when obi-wan in revenge of the sith rides the lizard mm-hmm. right and then there's yeah. that tall guy mm-hmm. um with the lines on his face? Yeah. What happened to those guys? Like, I, well, you can even see in Revenge of the Sith, like, they look like they got captured once the clones got, they got the order for Order 66. Yeah. You could see them kind of rounding them up and taking them prisoners. So, assuming they became under Imperial rule as well. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I mean, those guys look freaky, but, you know, to be in prison like that, it yeah. shouldn't be. As Obi Wan called it, good. the start of the dark times. So start of the dark. <laughs> but yeah, last Jedi trailer was awesome. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. space was, foxes everywhere. Oh, yeah, I love the aliens, those yeah. designs with those creatures. Everything was like about that looks so so good. So, yeah, and I, I I I hope I hope, um, you know, the beginning of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope we start off in. Um, uh, 
forget the name of the place that Luke's on. Uh, Octo. Yeah, Space Ireland. <laughs> we still we know the, how the planet is spelled. I still want to know what the correct correct pronunciation for it is. Right now, I'm calling it Octo before I call it Act Two. Or but Octo sounds right. So hopefully, they say the name of the planet in the movie so we can officially know how to say it. Well, we we've never heard it spoken, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah so I just call it Space Ireland. Because. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that was filmed in Ireland, right? Yep. Skellig yeah. Michael. Yeah. Exact uh, location. Space uh, Skellig Michael. <laughs> and Space Foxes and new uh, AT-ATs. Yes, the Gorilla Walkers, as they're being gorilla referred walkers. to. Those yeah. look awesome as well. Man. Yeah. I just love how massive they are. Just, you know, their feet. Hence the name Gorilla Rockers. They're how their pose almost like how gorillas are. It's like really, really awesome. Yeah, but that would be their hands, too. Well, that's true, but from the walkers, it's their feet. So. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you only walk with your feet. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, and and what's the pl- name of the planet that uh, has the, the white sand, but if, you, if it blows in the wind, it's red? Yeah, it's called Crate. Crate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought it would have a more cool name than Crate. <laughs> no, yeah, it's pretty simple. Crate. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess that's like if if Yoda's real name is Bob. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the planet names, we got Crate, Octo, and then uh, the casino planet, the casino area is called Canto Bite, but the planet's called. Can, Cantonica, I believe. So, Cantonica. Yeah. Uh, how do you find all this out, Tim? <laughs> he's got to read a lot. Every news item that comes out for Star Wars, he's got to read it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I. You know what I really like? I really like the Ray training scenes. Oh, those are going to be the whole best parts of the movie. I yeah, think. Yeah, where she's learning how to use the lightsaber, so we don't have people on the internet complaining that she knows how to use it. A yes. woman knows how to use a stick. <laughs> those complaints were, weren't even warranted for The Force Awakens. It's so stupid. Why? Because she knows how to use a stick? <laughs> yeah, obviously she has combat training. I mean, One. She, Two, yeah. she's you know obviously strong with the Force. And three, they may, went out of the way to show how badly wounded Kylo Ren is. So it all makes perfect sense when you all that stuff up, <laughs> add all that stuff up for how she can beat him. Yeah, that's true. But man, those raid training scenes on Space Ireland. So, man. <laughs> I want to see more. I want to see an entire movie of that. I know. It's, We're I mean, it's, that it's, too. It, it's too bad. Like, I mean, I guess it. I guess it's uh, you win either way because you get a great, awesome movie. If if we only get like a couple scenes of that. But well, here's uh, the cool thing about it too. The runtime. This is going to be like the longest Star Wars movie ever. It's going to be about over a little over two and a half hours. Wow, which you know is great news for me, and I'm sure for you oh, too. Yeah. I'm still hoping for a three-hour Star Wars movie one day. I mean, we're getting closer. I don't know, but you can't make it too long, you know. As long as it has a good flow, like, yeah. It, when it doesn't feel like two and a half hours, that'd be great. But like you're saying, to have because all that stuff on Octo with Luke and Ray is going to be awesome. But then you mix that in with all the other stuff. I mean, yeah. That, just want a good balance of all that because I don't want like the yeah, race training with Luke to feel short or kind of you know they rush through it. But so I'm kind of happy with that runtime. Looks like they could have enough time to spend the time where they need to on all those all those places and with all those different characters. Yeah, but 
I think uh, the Star Wars, um, you know, movie series. I guess you could, they all, all of the Star Wars movies. What they do really well when they don't do it on a set is they have really really great scenic places to film. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you have Tatooine where it's you, you know you had the dual sunset. Um, even on Naboo, which is Italy, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the the rolling hills of, of Naboo and uh, Space Ireland, you know, uh, on that, on Skellig Michael, you know, where it's, it's you know, a beautiful landscape. And I think they do that really well. Um, kind of like the Lord of the Rings movies where, you know, it's, it's uh, fantasy New Zealand where mm-hmm. everything looks <laughs> amazing, you know, so... I think if you if you have that and you do like a two hour forty five minute movie, I think that can work out really well. Yeah, I could. You don't want to get bored or feel like it's boring on one spot where you just look at the same thing over and over yeah. again. Yeah, the trailer see, proves there's going to be a lot of great <laughs> locations and environments we're going to see. Just as long as they don't do the uh, the Lord of the Rings thing where it's like five different endings. <laughs> well, they're going to save that for episode nine. So yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Last Jedi looks awesome, and it was just a great two days to get about two weeks ago with all those yeah. these trailers and awesome stuff. So great times are ahead. That's for darn sure. Yeah, especially on December seventeenth, uh, fifteenth, but 15th. actually the fourteenth when I see it on those early Thursday showing. So oh yeah, <laughs> God, that, that's my countdown date. Yeah, so December fourteenth is uh, it's going to be awesome. Oh yes. But with that, that's going to do it for our news and discussion topic. So we can go ahead and get to our listener feedback in Jordan's email. And sorry we're late with reading this one, Jordan. So some of the stuff he's going to be talking about is going to be a little out to date because you know he sent this before the Justice League trailer came out. Yeah. So, But still going to read it anyway, as always. So. And judging from uh, Jordan's Twitter feed, he's really into that Smallville show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just look at the past emails he sent with the recaps. Oh, them, yeah. Which, which yeah. is awesome. Like I said before, it was like me watching the show again. So I noticed, too, Jordan's been watching the Netflix uh, Daredevil series and oh, he seems to be enjoying that. So that which is cool because oh, those two seasons were great. Man, that Punisher show looks really good. Yeah, that's going to be great, too. <laughs> Comes out the same day as Justice League. So <laughs> see the Justice League movie, watch the Punisher series afterwards. Well, at so. least I get to watch, binge watch the uh, Punisher series. Yeah, <laughs> you got that, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> but Jordan starts off saying, hey, Tim and Dane and Jake and Alex. He goes, it was a lot of fun listening to you guys reminisce about the new Batman Adventures last episode. Tim, we are in a very small minority, but I am 100% with you in thinking that the new Batman Adventures is better than Batman the Animated Series, although sometimes I count them as one. My biggest complaint about Batman the Animated Series is that the status quo hardly ever changes. At the end of each episode, things go right back to the way they were before the episode. The only major character change that happens over the course of that show's run is Harvey Dent becoming Two-Face. Other than that, not many characters really get arcs. On the new Batman adventures, right from the start, there's major shifts. Dick Grayson has transitioned into Nightwing. Tim Drake has adopted the mantle of Robin. While it's still primarily episodic series, the fact that these characters evolve makes the stakes feel higher. Each episode doesn't start from square one. Then there's the animation style. The only character whose original design I prefer over their redesign is the Riddler. I think I prefer the updated designs for every other character. 
There are some notable ones that are huge improvements in my opinion, like Scarecrow and Batgirl. In addition, the animation itself in the new Batman Adventures was just much smoother and crisper. The other big improvement for me with the new Batman Adventures is the focus on the Bat Family. Batgirl barely appeared in Batman the Animated Series, and Robin was used sparingly up until the show transitioned into the adventures of Batman and Robin. However, in the new Batman Adventures, Batgirl and Tim Drake as Robin both play integral roles, and Nightwing shows up fairly frequently as well. I listed my top five episodes of Batman the Animated Series in my last email, and three of the five were from the new Batman Adventures, which I did include as part of it. My point being, the majority of my favorite episodes, if you combine both series, are from the latter. If I were doing a top five only of the new Batman Adventures, my list would be number five, Mad Love, number four, Cold Comfort, number three, Holiday Nights, number two, Old Wounds, and number one, Over the Edge. Yep, Jordan, I think we are in the minority there, but I agree with you 100%. And not to say that the Batman the Animated Series, the original, it was anywhere like not good because it was you know more episodic. That's just how series were done at the time. And I always laugh too when some people complain about certain shows having filler episodes or if it's not anything to do with the normal plot of the season, it's not good. And like I just think, you know what? But back in the days of Batman the Animated Series, that was every episode. You could say every episode was filler for Batman the Animated Series, but it was still great. So it all just depends on what the story is for the episode. That term filler or not you know, being connected to the overall plot of the season and equals not being good, I just don't buy into because you just have to have a good story for that episode, If it, even if it doesn't connect. And that's what Batman the Animated Series was. But yeah, I agree. Just everything about the new Batman Adventures, like I said in our last episode, just I felt an improvement. And just like I said, having the new uh, transitions for certain characters, bringing in new characters, it was just a great continuation of the original animated series. And I'm with you. Sometimes it's, I normally put them all as one, but at the same time, they're different enough to where if you want to differentiate them at times, you can do it also. But we are definitely in agreement saying that they're it's awesome. <laughs> and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the over the edge episode is the uh, the one where um, uh, Bruce is having the nightmare. Uh, Barbara's having the dark nightmare. Oh, Barbara's having the nightmare. yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh it's yeah, where she dies. Dad finds out that she's Batgirl and. Uh, gets all mad at her and stuff. That was like she dies, and when he finds out after she dies that she was background, then he just goes to war with Batman. Oh right, right, yeah, okay, yeah. That's easily top five episodes oh, of really? the entire Batman the Animated Series. It's so good. <laughs> People knock it for it being a dream, but it doesn't take away for some of the big stuff that happens in there. Is for it being like a what if story, like the last adventure of Batman. It's so yeah. so good. Jordan continues saying, I read Batman number 32 today. Well, today as my writing of this. And spoilers, I usually throw out that spoiler warning after I give my basic thoughts on the issue. But if you knew what was taking place in this issue, and if you knew me, just me saying that I loved it would probably give away something huge. LOL. Well, yes, I did love this issue. It's a masterpiece in my opinion. We got two big reveals on this issue. We found out the terrible thing Batman, we found out what the terrible thing Batman did was. He tried to kill the Riddler. I thought that was really impactful. Batman was about to break his one rule, and not even in a way where there's some sort of caveat. He literally was about to stab the Riddler to death. And who stopped him? His greatest enemy. I thought the twist of the real reason why the Riddler started this war was fascinating, and it made sense why it would uh, enrage Batman so much. I mean, so many innocent people died as a result of this war, 
emphasized once again by the double splash page of a bunch of the victims. Anyway, with all his cards on the table, Bruce awaited Selena's answer to his proposal. And she said yes. And I should say uh, he has that all in caps with about a thousand exclamation points. <laughs> uh, this made my day. I knew what her answer was a couple of days prior to the issue being released, I was, as it was announced in a USA Today article, and I couldn't resist reading it. But reading it within the context of the issue was still breathtaking. It was an absolutely beautiful moment, and it brought me to tears. They're broken people, and because they're broken, they have the edges that fit together. That's a quote from Tom King, uh, or that's a quote from Tom King in the, as he said in the USA Today article. And it just shows me once again how well he understands the bat-cat relationship. I can't wait to see where King takes them from here. I said in my last email that if King stuck the landing on the war of jokes and riddles, he'd once again rewrite my list of favorite comic book arts. Well, he stuck the landing and more. The war of jokes and riddles sits within I Am Gotham, I Am Suicide, Rooftops, and I Am Bane as Tom King stories in my top 10, fa- top 10 favorite comic arcs of all time. Yeah, you'll hear what I think of the last issue of the War of Jokes and Riddles soon, Jordan. But I will say, I got to complain about why DC decides to reveal, you know, the question that everyone wants to find out in the issue before it comes out. I mean, they give USA Today the okay to reveal that Catwoman says yes to his marriage proposal. And it's like, why do they do that when the issue comes out two days later? I remember they did that with... Uh, the death of Damien, and they do it for other things, for other comics, not just Batman. It just gets frustrating. And I know they do it for publicity stuff, but you think they can wait the day after the comic comes out? Because you know that's for the mainstream audience who not following comics, and if they see that, it'll get them to go and read the issue. I think that could still be the case if you wait a day till the issue comes out. For those of us who read comics, we don't have to worry about it getting spoiled, and it doesn't matter if you're not for those who aren't reading it, because they're not going to know when it came out or care when it comes out. If what gets revealed is interesting to them, they'll pick it up no matter what. So it's still a little frustrating that DC feels they have to reveal big uh, reveals like that before the issue comes out. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of knew beforehand, I try to stay clear of it, but seeing some people's reactions, it's just like, okay, I can put two and two together and know what you said. But yeah, you'll hear what I thought about the whole issue coming up soon. But he continues saying, any Teen Titans update, Tim? Unfortunately, Jordan, not so much. Uh, like I said, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me, so I still haven't gotten around to watching some of the new Season 2 episodes. Or I shouldn't say new, <laughs> but Season 2 episodes from Teen Titans. Especially when it's the baseball postseason and when my team's in it. That, that's all kind of I'm really obsessing over when it comes to you know entertainment stuff. <laughs> it's like follow the games, watching post-games, baseball talk shows on it. It's kind of where... My mind's at right now when it just comes to, you know, entertainment stuff. It's all about the postseason. So it might end tonight, though. So <laughs> I might have some more time to watch the Teen Titans. We'll see. But I'll de- definitely let you know once I do. He says, uh, we've gotten the new Justice League trailer coming this uh, Sunday. But unfortunately, that's after I'm writing this email. And I don't think I'll be able it'll be out by the time you guys record either. Well, Jordan, sorry, but you did have a tons of time <laughs> looking back now to send us your thoughts on the Justice League trailer but I look forward to hearing them on our next episode uh, because I look forward to hearing your thoughts about it and writing in about it next time I'm really excited I really dug both sets of posters that they released leading up to it yeah I forgot to mention too that they released a bunch of posters for Justice League with some like character uh, specific posters there's two sets of those one of them one set I think is better than the others 
I tweeted all these out in our Batman's podcast Twitter handle. The ones I like are that are color themed, where it's like Batman has the blue background, Wonder Woman has you know the orange sunlight flashes red, Cyborg's gray, and Aquaman's green. Those are the posters I like. The ones that are just black that say all in, uh, those, some of them are okay. Some of the poses on those aren't that great, so not necessarily the best. And then the last new poster that came out, which is just all of them together, you know, and you see the background of the sky. That's not really the best put together poster, I sadly should say. But hopefully when the cover for the Blu-ray comes out, there'll be one that's really cool. That's better than some of the actual posters we've gotten for that. Great posters are becoming a lost art nowadays, except for the Star Wars ones. <laughs> Those are still managed to be pretty good. But superhero posters, like even the Marvel ones, they're just really not that great anymore, sadly. And I think a movie it, it adds a little bit to it when it has a great poster. But Jordan uh, wraps up the email with a couple of questions. Um, he says, I guess this is just for Tim, but what are your thoughts on Scarecrow and Gotham Season 4 so far? I'm loving both the design and the voice. It's like straight out of a horror film. Yeah, so I just got cut up with Gotham yesterday. I was a few episodes behind, but Scarecrow was only in the first two, and they actually did a really good job with him. I know talking about the trailers for season four, uh, previously I said how Scarecrow looks really cool, and you know he turned out pretty good in the episode as well. His design was perfect, I thought, and his voice, while it took a little while for me to get used to, I should say, but by the time the they were done with his story arc for now. I thought it fit pretty good because he's still, you know, a young kid, you know, just taking on this persona for the first time. And it did kind of work. It's almost like a sometime an unsure of himself type Scarecrow voice, which is understandable since he's just, you know, embracing himself as the Scarecrow now for, for John, a young Jonathan Crane. So I thought in the end it worked. But Scarecrow, I thought, was really well, well done. And this season in general has been pretty good. I've been digging it so far. I just... Got caught up, like I said. They introduced Solomon Grundy, who in, in the last season they teased of that being butched, the old mobster or you know, uh, henchman for Penguin and uh, for uh, I'm forgetting her name, but you know, there Penguin. And then he through season three, Penguin was in rival with Barbara, but and then she had her the one who's now teaming up with Selena. I can't remember her name for some reason, but like her and Butch were together, but now he's Grundy after being shot in the head. And they did a good job with him as Grundy as far as the makeup and how we sounded. Looks like out of most of the characters they introduced in the show, Grundy's one, I think they're nailing down pretty good. But Rachel Ghoul, they had a good actor for him. I thought, was kind of curious where they took the story. And I just didn't like what they did with Rachel Ghoul in kind of where his story led up to just you know didn't feel like the character at all unfortunately besides having you know the lazarus pit connection and him being immortal but what what happened with him and bruce yeah wasn't a big fan of that but the season of gotham has been you know like i said pretty enjoyable i love what they're doing with the bruce and alfred stuff bad really? even the mask that aside that's still the worst oh. thing the costume he wore he wears and just the fact that he's in a costume i think they shouldn't be doing right now but the stuff Alfred's training him with he's having him you know he's training him to take on different you know aliases to get into certain situations and find information like, that's a big part of Batman and so it's cool they're showing that and then just him acting like a spoiled little rich kid to put on a facade to get what he needs when he has to go to big public events all that stuff with Alfred and Bruce is great and even sometimes when he's out in the field it's cool to hear you know him and Alfred training it's just his outfit <laughs> he shouldn't be in any type of costume right now so yeah, Other than that, is it, is it just cool or is it good? 
no, it's good. I'll say it's good. Okay. Actually, so. Because that that mask just looks like like the Batman mask without the, the yeah. Ears. It's not good. He has like a little hoodie that he puts over it too. Really? It's just, yeah. <laughs> but like well, I said, he'll probably be Batman by the end of the season. So <laughs> probably, probably because I mean, isn't essentially every single Batman villain in the show? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I think so far the only one they haven't is Man Bat. Mad Hatter. Mad Hatter was last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Solomon Grundy's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mr. Freeze is in there. Uh, yep. Clocking. I should say, oh, Clocking. Did you say? Yeah. No, yeah, he's actually haven't been. So there's one. I Egghead, guess the big ones. Egghead. <laughs> <laughs> He'd actually fit really well in the Gotham universe, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> but oh, yeah. What were you gonna say? Sorry. No, I was gonna say the only other big character that you know I'm sure they won't resist to bring in is Harley. So because they got Joker so, in there, yeah. but they just haven't had Harley yet. Uh, they oh. shouldn't, but somehow I just think they're not going to be able to resist if this series keeps going on. Is, is Deadshot in the show? No, he was he. No, he wasn't. He was an Arrow, but yeah, he was an Arrow. Um, um, uh, I'm just thinking. <laughs> you try to look for more of the obscure Batman villains now. Yeah, Falcone. <laughs> Yeah, they his uh, Sophia Falcone is in it now. Oh, so so that counts. Uh, well, he was in the first season, if you remember. He was. Yeah, he was in the very first episode. Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, he uh, played a big part in the first few seasons. Cat girl, cat girl. Oh, cat girl! <laughs> I forgot about cat girl. Katrina. <laughs> yeah, no, thankfully not. Uh, Poison Ivy's in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of Batman villains. See, yeah, they got most of them in. That's why. Bane. Bane. It's Bane in there. They did tease the Venom formula in the first season. Okay, so, so Bane is in the show. Uh, I think that counts. Yeah, that Like counts. a little hint of them there. Uh, uh, Lincoln oh. March. <laughs> Do the court, having the Court of Owls count? Yeah. There you go. Okay. Oh, well, guess who's coming next episode? It actually looks pretty good. The Joker. Well, <laughs> you know he's already been in it. Yeah. Who is it? Pro- Professor Pig. He's coming in next oh, episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he is kind of an older guy, right? Mm-hmm. The the way they have the pig mask, it looks looks like they're doing him pretty well. I mean, they're I think they're taking a different direction where his victims he puts pig masks on them instead of you know operating on their faces and kind of making them like dolls or whatnot but yeah um, but as far as professor pig he looks just like how he did in those grant morrison stories which is cool so we'll see how that goes so but, I, I i guess the quicker way would be to uh say who isn't in the show exactly yeah <laughs> yeah like the few is, we mentioned. is uh is captain boomerang in the show well, he's not technically a Batman villain. Yeah, well, but but still, is he in the show? No, he's not. He's not. Uh, is Fish Mooney still in the show? Uh, they finally killed her off for good last uh, season. But she came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did they bring her back? Lazarus Pit? No, just experiments going on. Uh, this is like, but by Hugo Strange. Hugo Strange is in the show. 
Yep. Well, that kind of made sense because he's an older guy. Yeah, they uh, did a good job with that too. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. Who? Uh, I mean, what, what is he doing the show? Well, he's experimenting like like with inmates in Arkham, or like and then just do, like I said, doing experiments with them, oh. either turning them into monsters or resurrecting people. Just all types of different experiments. Um, I know one person that will be in the show, one villain. A uh, red hood. They already had the red hood game, remember? Really? Yeah. Red hood is in the show. The red hood game, but the red were, hood. they definitely it tease out. You know, yeah, it, it definitely counts. Um. Um. What about the guy from Long Halloween? Uh, the 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 uh, serial killer. He's, they had Mario Falcone last season. Yeah. But yeah, they didn't go the route of you know him being a killer. Though he did Zaz? get Zaz has been it. Yeah, he's like uh, Penguin's right hand henchman. So he's actually pretty funny on the show. He just hasn't got to using knives yet. He still uses guns. <laughs> oh well, I guess every yep. single Batman villain so far has been in the show. Most of them, like I said, there's still no bad bat. They haven't done Killer Moth yet, so <laughs> gotta oh, wait Killer on that Moth. one. Killer Moth, yeah, I forgot but, about Killer Moth. Um, dude, they did have Firefly. They did have Firefly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, every single, every single Batman villain then? Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, Gotham's doing what it does. It still keeps me invested, still has some moments where it makes me roll my, roll, makes me roll my eyes. But this season actually has been actually pretty better than I was expecting. So, And uh, uh, Barbara's a bad guy now? Yeah, she was brought back yeah. with the Lazarus Pit by Rachel Gould this year. So she's like a... Is she a Batman villain or is she a, a Gordon like a mob, villain? More like a Gordon villain, yeah. <laughs> if anything. She's like in the mob world. Uh, she's like a mob boss? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Trying to work her way up. Okay. I guess, yeah. That's not a show for me, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of figured. <laughs> you and a lot of other Batman fans, I know. It's not for you. <laughs> it, like I said, it does enough to keep me entertained and invested yeah. in it. So. But Jordan's second question is, have you read any uh, DC novels before? If so, do you have any favorites? I was thinking about this since I'm about to dig into the new DC Icon series. And I was thinking back on some that I've read in the past that I've enjoyed. I read Greg, Greg Rucka's novelization of No Man's Land, which is excellent. Another favorite of mine is Arrow, Vengeance, the Vengeance novel. It's set in the Arrowverse and tells the story of Slade preparing to get revenge on Oliver leading up to his arrival in Star City in Season 2. And it also dives deeper into Isabel Rocheff's history. Yeah, for me, I haven't actually read any of those. I know... No, if I was going to read any, No Man's Land is the one I'd probably read first because I just hear how great it is from a lot of different people. But just really haven't had any time to dive into the novels. So yeah, when something hopefully I'll do down the line. But when there's so many comics to keep up with, it I kind of forget that sometimes there are even those novels out there. So sorry, Jordan, that's something I haven't gotten into just yet. If you really like the the No Man's Land story, um, I don't know if you read the comics, Jordan, but. Uh, you said you read the uh, novelization. You should listen to the audio drama that came out a few years ago now, I think. Three or four years ago. Uh, that one, that, that uh, audio drama is really, really good. So, oh, that's you, cool. Yeah, you might want to pick that one up. 
All right, cool. So that's it for Jordan's email. Thank you, as always, Jordan, for sending it in. And we'll look forward to your next one, which uh, hopefully we'll be able to record on time next episode and be up to date with some of the new stuff that's going on. So uh, look forward to that. But with that, we can go in and go into our comic book review section. And this one, we've got, I got a lot to catch up on. So it's going to be a little more than usual. We got Detective Comics, two issues of that, 965 and 966, All-Star Batman 14, Batman number 32, and Dark Knight's Metal number 3. And as always, going to throw the spoiler warning out there, even though you probably read most of these issues by now, but gonna still going to throw it out there. And Dane, what should our rating scale be for this one? Uh, shows we've missed. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so our rating scale is going to be the amount of episodes of shows that Tim and Dane missed on their own podcast. <laughs> so starting off, I'm going to go with Detective Comics number 965 and 966. These ones, looking forward to this because it's starting the Lonely Place of Living story arc, which is going to bring Tim Drake back out from being the captive of Mr. Oz. And I like how issue 965 is pretty much just kind of a recap of Tim's origin story. Because it starts with him, you know, looking at the photos of uh, Batman and Dick Grayson and trying to convince Dick that, you know, Batman needs a Robin, trying to get Dick back in the shoes of Robin after Jason Todd died. And it's all being done where Mr. Oz is interrogating uh, Tim Drake. And I should say right off the bat, in Action Comics a few issues ago, they revealed who Mr. Oz is. And it was a pretty big shocker for me. It was, he ends up being Jor-El, who survived the destruction of Krypton. So... That's who Mr. Oz is, and he's interrogating Tim. And I like how it's pretty similar to the, you know, first Superman movie where he's interrogating General Zod and has like those circles spinning around him, kind of keeping him captive. I thought that was a little nice touch there. So Mr. Oz is interrogating Tim as far as you know, wanting to know why he felt like it was up to him to, you know, save Batman back then, feeling that he needed to have a Robin and to try to get Dick, but then that didn't work. But well, he took up the mantle himself. And even now, while he felt the need to protect or have that system in place for the new Bat team uh, that was established in Detective Comics, uh, you know, to have everything set for the system to work that he has so he can go off and, you know, do his own thing. And like I said, he wanted to go to school and end up leave being Robin. So he's trying to find out, like, what's in his heart and wants to know while he's doing all this. And at the same time, questioning him if he's going to follow down the footsteps and become his own version of Batman and Tim Drake saying, you know, I never wanted to be Batman. I never wanted that path from the beginning. But um, as Mr. Oz or Jarrell, I should say, is interrogating him, he thinks he has Tim where he wants him. And he's kind of revealing to him that, you know, the reason I captured you here is because the way you look out for your friends and want to help everyone that caught the eye of the person who's been, you know, messing up with the history and time and all that. And Tim doesn't know, but we know it's going to be Dr. Manhattan. And of course I can't wait till doomsday clock just a month away. The teases Jeff Johns is giving for that. <laughs> it's just sounding really cool. I just can't wait to see how everything's going to be connected here. So that's why uh, Mr. Ross kidnapped Tim because he's caught the eye of Dr. Manhattan. But uh, Tim is able, his whole point of, you know, being interrogated and letting Dr. Oz, or I keep saying Dr. Oz, because <laughs> of that TV show, but Mr. Oz, uh, he was pretty much stalling, so he can infect his uh, computer system and to overwrite it with his own program and make his escape. But it turns out once uh, Mr. Oz revealed himself to be Jarrell uh, to Tim and tells him about, you know, Dr. Manhattan having the eye on, like having his eye on him, and, you know, that uh, he just says, you know, you're free to go. I've gotten all that I need to know and where you stand. 
And so he just leaves. He didn't let Tim go, but Jorel disappears and just Tim has free roam to, to do go wherever he wants in this prison. So um, he's trying to look for a way out. He uses a communication system. He thinks he's gotten in touch with Batman. Batman responds saying, he's, you know, I'm trapped in here too. Like, come to my location. So they go to meet up and Tim meets Batman. But there's this big noise, like there's a monster coming. It ends up being Doomsday that uh, Jor-El had captured there too. But the Batman in here brings out a gun and just starts shooting at it. And, of course, that's obviously going to catch Tim by surprise. And once he sees this Batman take off the mask, it turns out to be a future version of Tim Drake. And, you know, after Tim telling Jarrell that he'll never be a Batman, he's never going to take up that mantle. Of course, that's going to come from a big shock to him and what looks to be a more violent version of Batman. So pretty cool stuff in this issue. I like how it was a nice recap of Tim Drake's history, showing the importance of the character. And then, you know, having a pretty cool cliffhanger ending with revealing that he becomes Batman in the future and they're both together here. So it's a really cool issue. I'm going to go ahead and give it, uh, four out of five shows that Tim and Dane miss of their own podcast. And now for issue 966, this one continues, I think, even better off than 965. Just some of the dynamics that Tim and future Tim have with each other I thought was really cool. I like how this issue started off just showing how much of a violent version of Batman Tim Drake will be in the future where he captures anarchy and just you know shoots them in cold blood. Then he ends up being on the run from Commissioner Montoya and then we get him in the Batcave looking at, you know, video files of Stephanie Brown coming back to Gotham saying, you know, the stuff that's happened would cause Tim to go down this dark path, um, you know, saying how it's not really Tim Drake anymore. But before we find out anymore, we see him getting uh, transported into the prison of uh, Mr. Roz. And then we're back into the present with him and current Tim Drake fighting off this doomsday that Jarrell had captive. And at the same time, them going back and forth saying, you know, current Tim, I'm never going to be like you in the future. Tim saying, yeah, I used to think that way, but it's inevitable. This is what your future is going to hold. You don't think I wanted, like, I never wanted to be this way. Like I still regret it, but this is who I am now and kind of going that back and forth. And then I also loved how uh, future Tim gives current Tim the history of what happens of like, of saying like, if, if it's not me, then who else is going to do it? And he tells what happens to Dick. He says he took on the mantle for a while, but like Dick always does, he moves on even though I try to convince him. I did like the costume that this flash page had of Dick as Batman. It's pretty much all black, and the bat symbol is the color blue of his Nightwing symbol, but I thought that was a nice touch to you know, make you really know that that is Dick's version of Batman. Then he says, Jason, you know, got into a big battle with a hundred of assassins, and it just messed him up. He like, lost his eye, and he lost the will to live, and you just see him kind of being a bum on the street. He said, then we got the Damien Batman, he said he almost burned Gotham to the ground, so he had to kill him. <laughs> and that, of course, is a shock on current Tim's face. He just like, continues to call him a monster. Like, how could he do all this? And, you know, he just telling him, you know, the things that happened, like, you'll find out. You just don't understand this. And, like, you think of there's always tons of possibilities where you can make that. that you change certain things that won't happen. That's not the case. Like, this is inevitable. Like, you could just have to accept this. So they eventually, you know, they distract the doomsday by creating like a hologram version of Superman that he chases and they're able to, I think he like, shoots them with like some kryptonite type uh, bombs or bullets. I, f- I forget what, but they're able to make their escape out of Mr. Oz's prison and current timeline Tim reluctantly accepts the Batman Tim for help and they get out and to return to Gotham. And this is the cool moment here that I really liked in this issue where 
they're about to go their separate ways and you know current tim tells them you know go back to where you belong and then the batman tim tells them you know before i go there's like something i need to tell you that i wish was told to me when i was when i was in your shoes because the batman tim's remembering that he had a conversation with a robin before like and this it's a little different but there's past history where this is you know like you said this is inevitable it's going to happen i remember having this conversation uh with my future self as well so he thinks the timeline is set in stone where no matter what current tim drakes does he's going to be this version of himself as batman in the future but he wants to tell him anyway uh before i go he tells current tim tell connor you're sorry like for everything and then tim just tells him like who's connor and that just causes a big shock on the batman tim's face you know like like this can't be right like just ask his computer system give me everything you can about this timeline and he sees what's going on with you know the current bat family and tim's current batman team and he just sees it and he goes but like so much is the same but a lot of stuff has changed almost you know like it's altered in a strange way and so to prove his point like he takes the battering and just slices tim's arm and then he takes off his glove and now he has a scar and he's saying, oh, wow, so I didn't have a scar before, but now I do. So I, time can change. I can change history. Then that realization to him just brings tears to his eyes. He just says, I can be free. Like, I can be free of all this, you know, this heavy burden that he has of being this dark version of Batman. It was really getting to him. And now that he has a way out, he's going to take it. Then the issue ends with him saying, you know, I need to kill the one who was responsible for setting all this stuff in motion uh, for me becoming this way. And that is Batwoman. He just said, I need to kill Batwoman. And that's where the issue ends. So a lot of cool stuff in here with, between the two Tim Drakes and their possible future and the history. You know, the times like, timeline's not matching up to how the Batman Tim has memories of the pre-New 52 timeline while this Tim doesn't. So I just love all the stuff and the teases that we're going to get to hopefully Doomsday Clock with Dr. Manhattan. So I really like this issue as well. So I'm going to give this one uh, four and a half out of episodes of tim and dane of myths of their own podcast really cool and then next up is going to be all-star batman number 14 this is going to conclude the first ally story which in my opinion has been really great and this was a great conclusion to it um it starts off you know briar has kidnapped uh, batman with uh, his henchman nemesis and the issue begins with alfred in the past trying to catch uh briar uh from killing his father because of the previous story. And we found out that Briar was going to kill Alfred's father to free him from any attachments and pain for when he's out in the field to become the ultimate weapon. And, but in the current timeline, Alfred is trying to rescue Batman from being captured and in a plane. And Alfred has got the help of the pirate families uh, that we saw in the previous first issues of the story. And he just shoots down of the plane that Briar has Batman captive in. I like Alfred's dialogue here kind of being a little meta talking about real real world quotes he goes you know there's a saying in our country briar always be yourself unless you can be batman and you know we see quotes like that even on t-shirts it's like almost becomes a meme what we see online and on social media so kind of i thought it was kind of funny how scott snyder threw that in there and he goes but i he goes, sadly i can never be batman because batman doesn't use guns and then we just see him roll out this big chain gun from the plane and just shoots down <laughs> the uh, playing that Briar and Bruce uh, uh, nemesis for Ron. And then, like I said, it parallels to the past where he takes down the plane that Briar was going to kill uh, his father on, and he stops him from doing that and you know, kind of leaves Briar for dead off that plane. So in the current timeline, we see 
uh, Alfred on an island. He finds the down plane with Batman uh, unconscious there, but he's able to find him. And, you know, Batman tells or shows him that he's okay. But uh, Nemesis is there and Alfred and Batman both, you know, deduce that Nemesis is actually Briar's son, William, who, you know, he said was killed. And for and he used the Genesis engine that everyone's been after in the story arc to, you know, bring him back and create this ultimate weapon that Alfred was so close to being as his student, but never got there, like the perfect killing machine. And they have a fight. And then it turns out, though, that him being Briar's son was just a red herring because it's revealed that Briar actually used the Genesis engine to create a younger version of Alfred. That was his perfect weapon all along. And the one he truly viewed as his you know, son when he was training him all those years ago. And that's why he wanted to base this new one, use the Genesis engine, create the perfect version of Alfred. And he keeps telling him, like, he still calls him his son, you know, because he views him as a son, like I just said. And he just says, you know, kill, like, the last person you could be connected to, like, which would be the real Alfred. Like, the one you, like, slice, rip out the little flicker of caring that you would have for anybody. Like, do it. Show no mercy. Like, become the perfect weapon. And then he says, like, yes, sir. And he ends up killing Briar because he actually viewed him as his father figure. And then he probably just says, well done, well done, as he dies. And then the younger Alfred, you know, he just, he leaves off in his nemesis helmet in his armor, which I got to say is still a pretty cool looking costume. And so he's not going to be gone for good. I have a feeling he'll show up now and then in an upcoming story arc, I say. But the moment I loved in this issue, I thought made it really great, is after everything's done, Alfred's recalling the time he, you know, he stopped Friar from killing his father. He went to go meet him, but it was too late. He died anyway. And because I remember I was saying in the last issue where kind of hinted that Briar killed Alfred's father, but in the court of owls, it was established he was killed by a talent. So it looks like that's still the case. I was getting a little confused with that last issue of how they set things up. But then we get this great moment, probably one of my favorite moments of the story arc and definitely of this issue, where we see Alfred in the past taking on the job as the Wayne family butler. He goes to the clock that they was always showed his father at. He just smashes it. Then he finds out there was tons of letters from his father there and that he just didn't deliver. And that just brings Alfred to tears, kind of showing that, you know, his father did care about him. Still, you know, kind of wondering why he never did, you know, send them. But then we get this great moment as he's crying. We see this voice say, hello, like, like, who, like who are you? And then my name is Bruce Wayne. And we just get this great panel page of a young little Bruce in a Zorro costume, just introducing himself to Alfred. I thought that was just a great moment to see, you know, the first meeting between Bruce and Alfred and Bruce already being in a costume as his favorite hero, Zorro. That was just great. But then what also makes it really cool is um, we get back to the present and Alfred's looking at that clock and then Bruce comes in and Alfred just has a sad look on his face and he just goes and gives Bruce a big hug and just a big embrace and Bruce is there to comfort him. It reminded me a bit of that moment in... Robin's reckoning where just Dick and Bruce like share that moment of bonding over the loss of their parents and Dick just starts crying and they, Bruce is there to give him a hug. It just would like that just kind of on the opposite end of Alfred being that. And then just a monologue of how Alfred, you know, being showing that he really is Bruce's father, you know, saying that he's helped him and Bruce in turn's helped him. But still kind of questioning, have I like saying, have I done the right thing? Have I been his ally or this dark captain that you read about in old pirate stories? But then he just says, all I know that in the end, I, I love him with everything and right or wrong. And as crazy as this is, we'll, like, we'll sail together. Because the whole theme of the story is about like connecting to like your typical old pirate stories. And it was a nice 
parallel and draw to, to the events that were actually happening here and the relationship between Bruce and Alfred, I thought was really well done in this issue, just showing the closeness that they have as father and son, I just thought was really, really well done. Scott Snyder did a great job in this in wrapping up the story arc. So I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five times the Dane and Tim Missed Their Own podcast. So the first ally is definitely the best story arc to come out of All-Star Batman. And yeah, this, this last issue was great. Those moments with Bruce and Alfred were really, really well done. So another hats off to Scott Snyder. <laughs> he did it again with this issue. So you're liking All-Star Batman? Uh, this is definitely its best arc. Oh, okay. Hands down. So just the character stuff with Alfred and Bruce was just really well done. So, yeah. Curious to see where it's going to go next because this one's going to be kind of hard to top. Yeah. All right. Next up, Batman number 32, the end of the War of Jokes and Riddles. As Jordan hinted, he thought it was a great conclusion to it. And I'm going to have to agree with him. I've been a critic on this story overall. It's had some good issues, but at the same time, not really getting fully invested in the battle that was going on between Joker and Riddler. But this issue brought it home in a really well done way. I like how it starts between what's no dialogue for the first few pages. You just see Bruce and Selena just on the bed. Bruce is just so nervous and you know anxious. He has his hands over his head and just, you know, needing some comfort and Selena is there to do that. Then we get the, uh, right after that, we get a page of just showing all the victims, just normal citizens who died in this war between Joker and Riddler. Then after that, we get the standoff between Joker, Riddler, and Batman. Like I said, just no dialogue, just you know, showing the tension between those three characters, and then going back to the present with Selina and Bruce, just her being there, comforting, comforting him during this really difficult time, looking back at this moment. And they just then we go back to the past where just Batman and Riddler have a throwdown, and I just like how Joker and Riddler maybe get one to two hits in there, but. Batman's able to take him down pretty easily, especially the Riddler, which is how it should be. <laughs> Riddler shouldn't be a match for Batman in a physical fight. So he's able to take him down. Then Riddler just screams out, mercy, please. Then he just goes, whoa, like, yes, this is great. This is what I wanted. Like, are you laughing yet, Joker? Come on, you got to be laughing. And Batman's all like, what? He's like, Joker, why aren't you laughing? And then he goes, no, this can't be happening. Everything I've done, there's like this whole point of this war. It wasn't, you know, to stop Batman. It was to solve the greatest riddle of all, like to what can make the Joker laugh. You know, like I even like out of all things, I even got I set up Kite Man to be the one to bring this all down. A little known thug and the villain named Kite Man was going to be the undoing of, you know, of you and a Batman. And I was going to make you laugh as Batman defeated me. But it's not working. Why isn't it working? So I just love the idea that it does make sense because even at the start, the whole thing about this war starting, yeah, it kind of made sense of just wanting them to take down Batman, but it was too basic. I thought it should have been something more than that. And for Riddler, Riddler to think Joker not laughing and to be the one to make him laugh would be the greatest riddle of all. I could definitely buy into that as a reason for Riddler to start this whole war, this whole this whole war, to, you know, serve his own ego to solve this riddle. So I think that was a great little twist on there to have what the reason of this true battle was or this whole war. But then all come crashing down on Riddler's face as when he thought he was defeated by Batman, Joker would start laughing. And, but it did it. That just, you know, sends Riddler on the deep end, like saying, like, how could this happen? Like, like tells Batman, like, you know what? You're fun to go up against and fight, but you're not the ultimate riddle. Like the, when you have the man who laughs at anything but now can't laugh, like that's the ultimate opportunity to have to prove my like genius and get him to laugh. But it's not working. Joker still isn't laughing. 
And then as Batman's hearing this, I just love this moment here in Batman's monologue. He says, going back to Kite Man's son who died, his son Charlie, goes, I was there. After Riddler poisoned him, he, just, he killed him just to solve a riddle to tell a joke. And like that's really, you know, getting to Batman. Like all this started, this kid died just for Riddler to solve this joke or, or this Riddler or this riddle, I should say. Um, and I like how he brought back that Kite Man issue where his son was, you know, worried about going to hell and using the word hell like, like as a curse word if that's going to he's going to go to hell because of that. And Kite Man tried to reassure him that, no, you were, you're not going to that bad place. But then Bruce says his father told him no. But Charlie didn't get to hear that. He was already died. And Batman, like that just snaps as he's thinking back. He grabs a knife on the table and he's about to stab Riddler. And Riddler just goes like, what are you doing? No, no. And Batman just goes, hell yeah. <laughs> I just kind of sounds strange for Batman to say that, but it ties into the connection to Kite Man and his son is about, about using that curse word there. So uh, just great parallels that I thought worked really well. And then Batman about to stab Riddler. I love how this page was this one splash page of Batman thrusting the knife. And it looks like he's stabbing Riddler and the monologue saying, you know what? I didn't think I'd fail. He goes, it wasn't an accident. I wasn't out of control or out of my mind. I knew what I was doing there. I understood the choice I made, I made, but I still made it like I was going to kill the Riddler. That was my intent. And I did, but he didn't kill the Riddler. Joker stuck his hand out to stop him from doing that. And Joker just, I just love his line. All he says is, now that's funny. Then he just bursts up into laughter. It's all his, the typical Joker ha 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 is going all over the page. And I just love how that's what got Joker to laugh during this whole time. Seeing Batman about to break his one rule to kill someone. And that's what got Joker to, you know, laugh like a madman. And that's the reason the biggest regret that Bruce has here. Because then we go to him and Selena saying, you know, I've always said that's what separated me from them. They have, they don't have limits. I do, but not at that time. Like, uh, I can't say that anymore. I felt I became weak and gave into my urges to try to kill them. And I could buy into that as far as this is being pretty early on in Batman's career. And what happened to Kite Man's son, you know, was terrible. And I could totally understand why Batman would feel the way he did to kill, wanted to kill Riddler because of that. So I thought it all worked together nicely. As Jordan said in his email, the way Catwoman responds, saying, you know, I like how Jordan said it, they're two, or mentioned that Tom King line, how they're two broken pieces that fit together. And she just tells him, you know what? Uh, Joker asks Batman, like, what's the difference between a joke and a riddle? And Catwoman just says, the answer is, who cares? You know what? Yeah, we got messed up lives and we've done stuff that we regret, but this is like, she says, honestly, who cares? Like, we could still be together and try to move on from that. And so she just tells Bruce, you know what, say it again, like, ask me, like, really ask me this time. And she, he goes onto his knees and says, will you marry me? And the issues ends with her saying yes. So, yeah, the big surprise was not her saying yes. I was kind of expecting that. But I just, the big surprise is what the regret Batman has. And I totally bought into it, how he could look back on that, even though it's a while ago, and really regret that he wanted to kill Riddler, even though he didn't. And that it took his greatest enemy, the Joker, to prevent that from happening. From happening, I just thought, I just think that works on so many levels, from a story idea, and then just adds more to the dynamic of Batman and Joker's rivalry. That Joker's always going to have that on him. That he was there when Batman was going to kill someone, but it was because of his greatest enemy that he didn't. So, tons of cool stuff there. So, I want to give this issue a five, but uh, just a part of me feels I can't because the lead up. 
to this the whole war of jokes and riddles story i still felt was kind of a disappointment when it's said and done i it's strange because the lead up to it wasn't that great but the payoff and the ending we got made it worth it in a way but i can't say it's one of the all-time great stories because a lot of it i didn't really like and thought it could have been done better but was such a great ending that it almost saves it so i'm going to do something different here I'm going to give this a 4.75 out of five episodes that Tim Dane, this other podcast, because I can't quite give it that perfect score just yet. Or I shouldn't say just yet. I just can't quite give it that perfect score because I felt what came before it just wasn't as great as it could have been. But it was a great ending. I will say that. So what you're saying is that 0.25 makes a difference. Yeah. It just... Everything that came before it, to me, it takes a little bit away from it being as special as it could have been. So uh, <laughs> I know it's probably nitpicky, but I just couldn't quite give it that vibe. I was really looking forward to the wars and jokes and riddles. And there's a lot of the issues I felt could have been better, even though, like I said, it ended on a really, really high note. It just, I don't know, just like I said, could have been truly great. And it wasn't because of those subsequent issues. But in the end, still worth it because I just love the new aspect that it threw into Batman in his past and their, his dynamic with the Joker. So I got to give it props for that. It makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, big time. And then finally, Dark Knight's Metal number three. And this is probably my favorite issue of the Dark Knight's Metal storyline. I've, I've liked it. I just haven't thought it's been great just yet because I'm still, again, on the fence of Batman being this like destined character to bring about the dark multiverse who's been watched all this time. And this issue didn't deal too much of that, which is probably why I liked it the best. Because it's mainly about Superman. I like how it starts with uh, Damien and John uh, Clark's son. They're at like a picnic with the families and then they're just playing guitars and you see them uh, notice that they're playing. Almost like they're doing the Adam West 60s song because you just see na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na Batman (laughs) is what they're playing. So it looks like they're all having a fun time. They're saying they defeated Barbados. But then we see Barbados actually come into this and just destroy everything. And it ends up being like a, a dream sequence that Superman's having, but really captures, you know, it's almost like apocalyptic, almost <laughs> something like biblical out of the Revelation book of the four horsemen where you see the Dark Knight's Batman coming on these horses in flames, you know, and Barbados leading them all. And he was, as we're seeing like Superman saying, oh, we defeated you. He's like, I can't be defeated, Clark. And he's like, you fought this battle uh, a million times kind of type of thing because it ends up getting revealed that Superman and Wonder Woman are tied up to this like massive tower with like some dead bodies there. They, he says he's been there. They've been there for a week, but it feels like months and years they've been battling Barbados in these different type of battles. But it's all been in his mind. And then uh, we see this moment of Bruce still in the dream sequence of his chest starting starting to bleed, signaling that you know Barbados is coming or this is a dream. But he just says the words "Carpe Diem." in a question mark to Superman. And that ends up playing a big role later on in the story. But as Superman and Wonder Woman make their escape, uh, they try to, you know, this scene, how destructive the city is, and just the, almost the world now, and how Superman just wants to go after Barbados right away. And he, you know, tries, he goes to find him in Gotham, and he sees him, like, surrounded. I love the design of Barbados, this, you know, this very evil-looking version of Batman, almost this Batman with no face, with this hooded cloak, almost like a ring race from Lord of the Rings, but kind of more of the bat shape with his cape and the cloak out of the bat ears. So I like his design. So Superman's about to battle him, but then uh, the Dark Knight's version of the different Batman 
of Bruce Wayne from the dark multiverse start coming to attack Batman. We see the Joker version of him with his goblin Robins <laughs> attacking him. Then the doomsday version attacks Superman. They're all telling him, you know, you know, we're all Bruce Wayne and Superman's trying to tell him if you're Bruce, that means there's some sort of good in you. And they're just, you know, not having any of that saying how each one of them killed the Superman in their universe and just saying, you know, is this really the darkest fears that Bruce has or are these his dark desires that are in him as well? So, just the manifestations of the evil that Bruce could be in these different versions of the dark multiverse is, you know, pretty staggering to see. And I haven't really gotten any of those tie-ins issues. You know, fortunately, there's a lot of comics to get. And I don't have a budget for all of them. So I'm saving. I'm going to read some of them eventually, probably digitally once they drop in price, as digital comics usually do after a while. So I still want to read up on some of these different versions of the Dark Knight's Batman because... Like I said, a lot of them are pretty intriguing, especially the Joker one and the Green Lantern version. So, but it was just cool to see him in action here in this issue and just how visually striking they are to be different versions of Batman. But Superman is able to be rescued by the Flash and they go to this uh, secret hideout by, you know, Kendra, uh, aka Hawkgirl, or leader of the Blackhawks here. And there's different members of the Justice League there of Green Lantern, Aquaman, uh, Detective Chimp is present, <laughs> which is always nice to see. Then Nightwing there. I like how the little editor's note called uh, Nightwing Jon Snow. Jon Snow Nightwing here because that's kind of what he looks like as he's been battling uh, Barbados and his men in Gotham City for a long time. So they're trying to figure out what their next move is. They uh, realize there's this, the nymph metal is the key to defeating uh, Barbados and these versions of Batman. And so there's these locations that they got to go to um, to try to find the nymph metal. But Superman is saying, no, uh, Bruce was talking to me. He sent me he let me know a secret code that me, him, and Diana have. You know, uh, the code was like an alphabetical. He says, uh, the words carpe diem, I said that, how that's going to play a role here. You know, that's going to mean the code that we have where if something's wrong, uh, Bruce would say, you know, C and D to signify Clark and Diana. Or if it was reversed, it'd be C and D for Bruce needing help. Uh, or if uh, Clark needed help, it would be B and D for Bruce and Diana. So, uh, Superman is dead sent on going to rescue Batman. He feels he knows where he's at in the dark multiverse, but Nightwing's saying, no, we can't do that. We got to, you know, do what he would do with here, keep fighting them and look for a way to stop them once and for all and then help them. But Damien isn't help. He's like really mad at Nightwing for doing that. He's on Superman's side, wanting to go rescue him. And, but their hideout doesn't stay hidden for long as the Joker version, the Batman who laughs comes in and just like rips rips in with his goblin robins and starts attacking, but everyone's able to escape with the help of Dr. Fate and everyone goes off with their separate ways to find the nymph metal. Then flash takes Superman to the fortress to, you know, use the speed force and the anti-monitor tower that Superman kept, uh, to try to send him to the dark multiverse and it works. And the dark multiverse, and I was called dark Knight's metal. It does look like something you would see like a, a heavy metal, video or visual album or something like that the fires and flames and like the <laughs> and the way like i said the dark knights uh, versions of the batman look this is all definitely has that heavy metal feels they're going for and it gets revealed here as superman makes his way to rescue bruce bruce is saying like no you shouldn't have come i tried warning you batman superman's all no i've heard your call the code word he says you know it's it's in the music i tried to tell you through the music you're hearing in your dream and he goes uh trying to get it, I got the issue right here because he's saying the only way to communicate across the multiverse is through vibrations and the notes of the song and the notes of the song Damien and John were playing it starts with D and C the reverse of my code 
and telling Superman, don't, as it'll stand for, don't come here. Because Superman was actually the key to powering uh, these towers to get the energy needed to, you know, bridge the gap between the dark multiverse into the real the real world to sink into the dark multiverse to have everything be part of the dark universe. So I thought it was just a fun, cool issue with Superman learning about, you know, Barbados's plan and those little connections that uh, Superman has with Batman and the codes there. I just think that's a cool way of, you know, just showing the the relationship that they have and when things go bad, the contingency plans uh, that they think would work, but in turn ends up being their undoing and just visually seeing the dark nights of Batman in action. I thought was cool too, even though, uh, they weren't a big part of there. It was nice to see them have a role in the actual story instead of you know getting. I know it helps if you get the tie-in issues to get more ver- to get more of the history of these characters, but I hope we get they play a big role in the actual story and not just to rely on those tie-in issues because there are definitely interesting versions of Batman that need to play a big role in the actual story. So I'm hoping that there's more of them to come. It was just good to kind of get see what they can do a little bit here, get a little tease of them. So. Uh, yeah, Dark Knight's Metal. I thought number three was the best one yet and looking forward to what comes next in this story. So I'm going to give this one four out of five episodes that Tim and Dane miss of their own podcast. Now 4.75? No, it wasn't quite on the tip of a five like the war oh. jokes and riddles were. <laughs> what about a 4.89? <laughs> I didn't want to get to the logistics of how what would cause an issue to be rated that way. <laughs> like. How could it be a little better than a 4.75, but not quite a 5? <laughs> Splitting hairs a little bit there. Well, all right. Um, so, yeah, that's it, right? Yep, that's it. All right, just go to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. The show's Twitter handle is at BatfansPodcast. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. And my Twitter handle is at DaneTizBanana. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes, and you can email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, Tim, like we say at the end of every single show we've ever done, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our bad hearts. <laughs> yeah. right, we'll see you guys. Yep, see you guys next time. Yeah.